0: Welcome to episode 118 of the Opinion Overload podcast. This is the beginning of the Beowulf series. Uh, I did pre-record the um, reading of Beowulf, so I'm just going to edit it in as kind of a... uh, not kind of, just after this intro. So I skipped the preface of the book, which was really just him explaining um, the son of J.R.R. Tolkien... Christopher Tolkien explaining that this book isn't really a, I'm gonna grab the book here real quick. The book isn't the most accurate translation and you'll kind of, you might not see it throughout the, the reading, but it's about a hundred and some pages. And then there's like 300 pages of notes on the, the translation. Then there's a thing called the Lay of Beowulf, which is a um, ballad version of it. And essentially, this was never meant to be published. There are some references of it being used as a form of crib notes for students who attended Tolkien's lectures about Beowulf because he was um, pretty invested in the Old English uh, literature Studies Department at. Was he at? Um, I forget what's what college he taught at, but he did. And I do think this. So far, I've read about it's thirteen to thirty-one. Uh, I'm on page thirty-one, which is about a third of the the story. It's interesting because. It's this story about a, what seems like a Viking who comes from the faraway land to come and slay a demon of someone that he um, was sworn to help out. You know, he's kind of bound to this, this king and The way it's written, you know, I wouldn't have expected there to be references to a Christian God in it because it was so, I mean, this probably is the translation, but, you know, there's references to God, there's references to sea demons, there's the villain of this story, um, Grendel, he's this in some kind of demon. Uh, it's, It's pretty fascinating, actually, because the story as a whole... Um, I haven't read it yet, but it seems to be this, uh, redemption story almost. This is my predictions. We'll see how I get to at the end of it. It's kind of this story of like duty and redemption of this guy. Cause I did read the, the lay of Beowulf before this, cause it's like six pages. And it's this, this story of a guy just kind of fulfilling his duty. And he might, he might die in it. He might not. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of hinted. Like they talk about him fighting some other sea demon that wasn't Grendel um, towards the end of the Lay of Beowulf. There's two versions of it. I'm definitely interested to see how this plays out. Um, we'll be reading it in thirds. I'm not going to be going over the translation notes because it's a whole 200 and something pages and I will be reading the lay of Beowulf at the very end. So I will be doing, um, you know, some analysis in the intros really, but I will also keep you guys kind of up to date of what page I'm on. Uh, in this version, uh, Tolkien's Beowulf, I started on page 13 and I'm on page 31. Yeah, 13 to 31. So if you guys wanted to pick this book up and read it, you're welcome to do that. And it's page 13 to 31 is this first podcast. So I'm going to leave it on that. But here's what I did. I went out and bought a controversial book. This book is called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And I was doing some stuff the other day. And I was just sitting there thinking... Uh, specifically because I was looking into the history of witchcraft and Euro-pagan religions and shamanic traditions throughout Europe because there is – I have a friend who is into Wicca, and I wanted – before making any judgments about it, I mean – I did a podcast basically talking mad shit about Wicca because it was founded in 1954 by some English dude who really wasn't interested in preserving the traditions of Euro pagan shamanic traditions as much as he was making his own religion and kind of being a cult leader type dude. Um, I was interested in what those actual traditions were. And as a result, I kind – I stumbled across this idea of – Religions in humanity might be a result of extreme psychedelic experiences. And I think that there might have been, uh, specifically, this book deals with the uh, translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And one of the um, guys who translated it, who was a non-Christian, the only guy on the team who was, is saying that, There's the use of an Amanita muscaria mushroom in um, the Dead Sea Scrolls and in biblical art and early Christianity. And he's saying that this is also um, related to the other religions such as Hebrew or Judaism. And I find it interesting that a large part of shamanic traditions... Jesus fucking Christ. This book has I'm just scrolling through the book here. The general index starts on page 308 and ends on page huh, that's interesting. 350. Fungus Redivitus redivivus. Fungus Redivis, New Light on the Mushroom Controversy, Carl A.P. Ruck. Oh, that's just kind of a foreword. I find this kind of interesting because there is seemingly some root in a lot of religions, be they pagan or be they part of the big three, of achieving altered states. And I kind of am interested in the idea that religion might be a byproduct of those altered states. And that maybe we can commune with some extra dimensional entity that could be a God who knows. I, I don't have enough research to come to a conclusion. And realistically, something like that, I don't know if you can come to a conclusion. So that's what I'm going to be doing next month. Um, I'm just going to end it on that. We'll talk about that book when we get there. I'm going to try and, you know, get some reading done beforehand because that book just is interesting to me. But I will see you guys on next the next episode on Friday. We're just gonna be doing whatever as usual, and see you guys the Tuesday after that for more Beowulf. Remember, share the show, give us some reviews, do all that cool stuff. And uh, Sam, I was talking to him. He's kind of messing around with some sticker designs. I haven't followed through with any of the merch that we're supposed to do, mostly because I haven't had the money to do it. Um, now that I have some consistent income. I'm going to be working on a website, and I'm going to be uh, trying to find a transcription service so I can transcribe the podcast and turn them into blog blog posts. Uh, maybe you can share them that way. But in the meantime, uh, just enjoy the show, I guess. I'll keep you updated on that stuff if it pans out, and I will see you guys on Friday. I will preface this by saying that a lot of this translation from Old English is pretty old, so... Even though they might have some things that are together, I mean, most of these words are normal, modern English words, some of these are not going to be. So here's just some from the first page. Oft-sild-seffing, that's a name for something. Or um, in the back here, lay of Beowulf, there is a name called spelled E-C-G-T-H-E-O-W, That's actually edge, though, so you guys have to be kind of cognizant of that. Lo, the glory of the kings of the people of the Spear Danes, in days of old we have heard tell, how those princes did deeds of valor, oft sealed seffing, robed the hosts of foemen, many peoples of the seats where they drank their mead laid fear upon men he who first was found forlorn comfort for that he lived to know mighty grew under heaven throve in honor until all that dwelt nigh about over the sea where the whale rides must hearken to him and yield him tribute a good king was he to him was an heir afterwards born a young child in him in his court whom god sent for the comfort of the people perceiving the dire need which they long while endured, aforetime being without a prince. To him therefore the lord of life who rules in the glory granted honor among men, Beow, was renowned. Far and wide his glory sprang, the heir of Sild and Seedland. Thus doth a young man bring it to pass with good deed and gallant gifts while he dwells in his father's bosom that after in his age there cleave to him loyal knights of his table and the people stand by him when war comes. By worthy deeds in every folk is a man ennobled. Then at his allotted hour silled the valiant passed into the keeping of the Lord into the flowing sea his dear comrades bore him even as he himself had bidden them While yet their prince, he ruled the Sildings with his words, Beloved lord of the land, long was he master. There at the haven stood with ringed prow, ice hung, eager to be gone, the prince's bark. They laid then their beloved king, giver of rings, in the bosom of the ship, in glory by the mast. There were many precious things and treasures brought from regions far away. Nor have I heard tell that men ever in more seemly wise arrayed a boat with weapons of war and harness of battle. On his lap lay treasures heaped that now must go with him far into the dominion of the sea. With lesser gifts no wit did they adorn him. With treasures of that people. Then did those in the beginning send him forth alone over the waves. A little child. Moreover, High above his head they set a golden standard and gave him to ocean, let the sea bear him. Sad was their heart and mourning in their soul. None can report with truth, nor lords in their halls, nor mighty men beneath the sky who received that load. Then in the strongholds long was Bayo of the Sildings, beloved king of men, renowned among peoples, elsewhere had the prince his father departed from his home, until thereafter he begat Hephaldine the High, who held the lordship while he lived, aged and fierce in war, over the fair sildings. To him were children foreborn in the world, in order named captains of the hosts, Herogar and Harothgar, and Halga the Good, and a daughter, I have heard that was Anella's queen dear consort of the warrior sifling thereafter was fortune in war vouchsafed to hrothgar in glory in battle that the vassals of his own kindred hearkened willingly unto him and the numbers of his young warriors grew to a mighty company of men Then it came into his heart that he would command men to fashion a hall and a mansion, a mightier house for their mead drinking than the children of men had ever known, and there within would he apportion all things to young and old, such as God had granted him. Such the people's land, save the people's land and the lives of men. Then have I heard that far and wide to many a kindred on this middle earth was that work proclaimed the adorning of the dwelling of men. In a while, swiftly among men, it came to pass for him that it was all made ready. The greatest of houses and of halls, for, he, for it he devised the name of Hero. Even he whose word far and wide was law, his vow he belied not, the rings he dealt and treasure at the feast, the hall towered high with horned gables wide. Awaiting the warring billows of destroying fire, the time was not far off that between father and daughter's spouse murderous hate in memory of a deadly feud should awake again. Then the fierce sprint that abode in darkness grievously endured a time of torment— in that day after day he heard the din of revelry echoing in the hall there was the sound of harp and the clear singing of the minstrel there spake he that had knowledge to unfold them from far-off days the first beginning of men telling how the almighty wrought the earth a veil of bright loveliness that the waters encircle how triumphant, he set the radiance of the sun and moon, is a light for the dwellers in the lands, and adorned the regions of the world with boughs and leaves. Life, too, he devised for every kind that moves and lives." Even thus did the men of that company live in mirth and happiness, until one began to work deeds of wrong, a fiend of hell. Grendel was that grim creature called, the ill-famed haunter of the marches of the land, who kept the moors, the fastness of the fens, an unhappy one. Inhabited long, while the troll king's home troll kind's home for the maker had prescribed him with the race of cain that blood bloodshed for that cain slew abel the eternal lord avenged no joy had he of that violent deed but god drove him for the that crimes far from mankind of him all evil broods were born ogres and goblins and haunting shapes of hell and the giants too that long time warred with God, for that he gave them their reward. Then went Grendel forth when night was come to spy on that lofty house, to see how the Ring Danes, after the ale drinking, had ordered their abode in it, and he found therein a lordly company after their feasting, sleeping. Sorrow they knew not, the unhappy fate of men, that accursed thing ravenous and grim swift was ready thirty nights he seized upon their couch thence back he got him gloating over his prey faring homeward with his glut of murder to seek his lairs thereafter at dawn with the first light of day was grendel's strength in battle made plain to men then was weeping after feasting upraised a mighty cry at morn the glorious king their prince proven of old, joyless sat, his stout and valiant heart suffered and endured sorrow for his knights. When men had scanned the footprints of that foe, that demon cursed, too bitter was that strife, too dire and weary to endure. Nor was it longer space than but one night, ere he wrought again cruel murders more, and grieved not for them. His deeds of enmity and wrong, too deep was he therein. Thereafter, not far to seek was the man who elsewhere more remote sought from his couch and a bed among the lesser chambers. Since now was manifested and declared thus truly to him, with token, plain the hatred of that hall keeper, thereafter he who escaped the foe kept him more distant and more safe. Even thus did one lord it. And against right make war. Alone against them all. Until empty stood that best of houses. Long was the wild twelve winters space. The sildings dear lord endured anguish. And every woe and sorrow deep. So it was made known to men. And revealed to the children of mankind sadly in songs. That Grendel strove a while with Hrothgar. Wrought hate and malice. Evil deeds and enmity. For many a year. A strife unceasing, truce would he not have with any man of the Danish host, nor would withhold his deadly cruelty, nor accept terms of payment, and there no cause had any of the counselors to look for golden recompense from the slayer's hands. Nay, the fierce killer pursued them still, both knights and young, a dark shadow of death, lurking, lying in wait, in long night keeping the misty moors. Men know not whither sorcerers of hell in their, e- in their wanderings roam. Thus many a deed of evil, that foe of men stalking dreadfully, alone did often work. Many a grievous outrage, in Heorough's bright hall, with gems in the dark nights he dwelt. Never might he approach the precious throne of grace in the presence of God, nor did he know his will. That was great torment to the Silding's lord, anguish of heart. Many a mighty one sat oft communing. Counsel they took what it were best for stout-hearted men to do against these dire terrors. At times they vowed sacrifices to idols in their heathen tabernacles. In prayers implored the slayer of souls to afford them help against the sufferings of the people. Such was their wont. The hope of heathens. They were mindful in their hearts of hell, nor knew they the Creator the judge of deeds, nor had heard of the Lord God, nor verily had learned to praise the guardian of the heavens and the king of glory. woe shall be to him that through fiendish malice shall thrust down his soul into the fire's embrace, to look for no comfort, in no wise to change his lot. Blessed shall be he that may enter, that may after his death day go unto the Lord and seek peace in the bosom of the Father. Even thus, Over the sorrows of that time did the son of Hifaldine brood unceasingly, nor could that wise prince put aside his grief. Too strong was that strife, too dire and weary to endure. That had come upon most folk. Torment fierce and cruel that they needs must bear, the greatest of miseries that came by night. Of this, of Grendel's deeds... The knight of Hegelac, esteemed among the Geats, heard in his home afar, in that day of man's life, here in might the strongest of mankind was he noble and of stature beyond man's measure. He bade men prepare for him a good craft upon the waves, saying that over the waters where the swan rides he would seek the warrior king, that prince renowned, since he had need of men. With that voyage little fault did men did wise men find, dear though he were to them. They encouraged his valiant heart, and they observed the omens. Champions of the people, of the geats that good man had, chosen from the boldest that he could find, and fifteen in all they sought now their timbered ship, while that warrior, skilled in the ways of the sea, led them to the margins of the land. Time passed on. Afloat upon the waves was the boat beneath the cliffs. Eagerly, the warriors mounted the prow, and the streaming seas swirled upon the sand. Men-at-arms bore to the bosom of the ship their bright harness, their cunning gear of war. They then, men on a glad voyage, thrust her forth with her well-joined timbers. Over the waves of the deep she went by. She went sped by the wind, sailing with foam at throat most like unto a bird, until in due hour upon the second day her curving beak had made such way that those sailors saw the land, the cliffs beside the ocean gleaming, and sheer headlands and capes thrust far to sea. Then for that sailing ship the journey was at an end. Thence the men of the wind-loving folk climbed swiftly up on their beach and made fast the seaborne timbers of their ship. Their mail shirts they shook, their raiment of war, They gave thanks to God that the passage of the waves had been made easy for them. Then, from the high shore, the watchmen of the Sildings, who of duty guarded the cliffs by the sea, saw them bearing over the gangway bright shields and gallant harness. Anxiety smote him in his heart to learn what these men might be. He went then to the strand riding on his horse, Hrothgar's knight, and mightily he brandished in his hands his stout spear-shaft, and in words of parley he asked, "'What warriors are ye, clad in corselets, "'that have come thus steering your tall ship over the streets of the sea, "'hither over deep waters? "'Lo, I long will have dealt at the ends of the land, "'keeping watch over the water, that in the lands of the Danes "'no foemen might come harrying with raiding fleet. "'Never have armed men more openly here assayed to land.' Knowing not at all the passwords of men in array of war, nor having the consent of kinsmen. Ever have I seen on earth. Huh, never have I seen on earth a greater among men than is a one of you. A warrior in arms, no hall servant is he in brave show of weapons. If his fair countenance lie not in his peerless mane, now should I learn of what people you are sprung rather than ye should pass on hence false spies into the land of the danes come now ye dwellers afar voyagers of the sea hear my thought plainly spoken in haste it is best that ye declare whence your ways have led to him then the chief made answer the leader of the company opened his store of words we are by race men of the geats and hearth comrades of Higelac. Famed among peoples was my father, a noble warrior in the forefront of battle. Edge, though, he was called. Many a winter he endured, ere in age he departed from his courts. Full well doth every wise man remember him far and wide over the earth. With friendly purpose are we now come seeking thy master. The son of Hephaaldin, defender of his people, be thou kindly in counsel to us. A mighty errand have we to him renowned, the lord of the Danes. And there a certain matter shall not be kept secret, as I think thou knowest if so to be, as in truth we have heard tell that among the sildings I know not what deadly thing a doer of deeds of secret hatred on dark nights in dreadful wise makes plain in his his monstrous malice. Shame of men and felling of the dead. "'concerning that with ungrudging heart "'I can give counsel to Herothgar, "'how he, wise and good, will overcome his enemy. "'Should there ever come change "'or betterment and torment of his woes, "'how those burning griefs will be assaged, "'or else forever, after he will endure "'time of tribulation and dire need, "'while there in its high place abides the best of houses, "'the watchman spake. "'Sitting there upon his steed, "'fearless servant of the king,' A man of keen wit who takes good heed will discern the truth in both words, and deeds. My ears assume me, assure me, that there here is company of friendly mind towards the lord of the Sildings. Go ye forward, bearing your weapons and your armor, I will guide you. My young esquires, moreover, I will command honorably to guard your ship, your new tared vessel upon the sand. "'against every foe, until with its timbers "'and its wreathed plow it bears back again "'over the streams of the sea "'its beloved master to the weather mark. "'To do such a doer of good deeds "'it surely shall be granted "'that he will come sound and whole "'through this onset of war. "'They went then, marching forth. "'Their fleet vessel remained now, still. "'Deep-bosomed ship it rode upon its hawser, "'fast to the anchor. "'Figures of the boar shone above, Cheek guards adorned with gold, glittering, fire-tempered, fierce and challenging, war mass kept guard over life. The men hastened, striding together until they could descry the building, builded hall adorned bright with gold. Foremost, it was in fame of all houses under heaven among the dwellers upon earth. Wherein the mighty one abode, the light of it shone over many a land. Then that, that warrior bold pointed out to them, clear to see, the court of proud men, that they might march straight hither. Then that warrior turned his horse, and thereupon spake those words, Time it is for me to go. May the Almighty Father and His grace keep you safe upon your quests. To the sea will I go, against unfriendly hosts my watch to keep. The street was paved in stone patterns. The path guided those men together. There shone corslet of war, hard, hand-linked, bright ring of iron rang in their harness. As in their dread gear, they went striding straight unto the hall. Weary of the sea, they set their tall shields, bucklers, wondrous hard, against the wall of the house, and sat then on the bench. Corslets rang, war harness of men, their spears stood piled together, seamen's gear— "'Ash-hafted, grey-tipped with steel. "'Well-furnished with weapons was the iron-mailed company. "'There then, a knight in proud array, "'asked those young men of battle concerning their lineage, "'Whence bear ye your plated shields, "'your grey shirts of mail, "'your masked helms and throng of warlike shafts? "'I am Hrothgar's herald and servant. "'Never before have I seen so many men of outland folk "'more proud of bearing.' i deem that in pride not in the ways of banished men nay in greatness of heart ye have come seeking hrothgar to him then strong and bold the proud prince of the wind-loving folk replied words he spake in answer stern beneath his helm we are companions of Higelac's table. Beowulf is my name, to the son of Hifaldine, Glorious king, I wish to tell mine errand to thy lord, if he will vouchsafe to us, that we may approach him in his excellence. Wolfgar spake. Noble prince of the Wendels was he. His heart's temper, his prowess and wisdom, were known to many a man. This will I inquire of the friend of the Danes, lord of the Sildings, giver of rings concerning thy quest. Even as thou prayest, in such answer quickly declare to thee as he in his goodness is minded to give. Then swiftly he returned to where Hrothgar sat, old and hoar headed Amid his company of knights, valiant he strode, until he stood by the shoulder of the lord of the Danes. Well, he knew his customs of courtly men. Wolfgar spake to his beloved lord, Here are now landed, Come from afar over the encircling sea, noble men of the Geats, the chiefest of them all, men of arms named Beowulf. They beg to exchange words with thee, my king. Do not make denial to them of thy, f- thy fair answer. O oh, gracious Hrothgar. In their harness of war they seem well to merit the esteem of men. Assuredly a man of worth is the captain who hath led these men to battle of this land. Hrothgar spake. Protector of the Sildings, I knew him while he was yet a boy. His sire of old was called Edgtho. To him, Herethel of the Geats gave his bride his only daughter. It is his son that has now come here, dauntless, seeking a friend and patron. Voyagers of the Sea... such as as have borne gifts and treasures for the geats thither in token of good will, have since reported that he hath in the grasp of his hand the might and power of thirty men. Valiant in battle, holy God hath sent him to us in mercy, even to the West Danes, as is my hope against the terror of Grendel. To this good knight I shall offer precious gifts to reward the valor of his heart. "'Make haste now. Bid them enter here, and look upon the proud company of our kin, here gathered together. "'Tell them, too, in words of greeting, that they are welcome to the people of the Danes.' "'Then Wulfgar went towards the door of the hall, and standing within he pronounced these words. "'My victorious lord, chieftain of the East Danes, bade me say to you that he knows your lineage, "'and that with your dauntless hearts ye come as welcome guests to him over the surges of the sea.' Now may ye go in your harness of battle beneath your masked helms to look upon Hrothgar. Leave here your warlike shields and deadly shafted spears to await the issue of your words. Then that lordly man arose, and about him many a warrior, a valiant company of knights, some remained behind guarding their gear of war, even as the bold captain commanded." They went with speed together, the knight guiding them beneath the roof of steam Stern beneath his helm strode Beowulf, until he stood beside the hearth. Words he spake, his mail gleamed upon him, woven like stuff in crafty web by the cunning of smiths. Hail to thee, Hrothgar, I am Higelac's kinsman and vassal. On many a renowned deed I ventured in my youth. To me, on my native soil, the matter of Grendel became known and revealed. Travelers upon the sea report that this hall, fairest of houses, stands empty and to all men useless. As soon as the light of evening is hid beneath heaven's pale, thereupon the worthiest, worthiest of my people and wise men counseled me to come to thee, King Hrothgar, for they had learned the power of my body's strength, they had themselves observed it. When I had returned from the toils of my foes, earning their enmity, where five I bound, making desolate the race of monsters. And when I slew amid the waves by night the water demons, enduring bitter need, avenging the afflictions of the wind-loving geats, destroying these hostile things, woe they had asked for. And now I shall with Grendel. With that fierce slayer, hold debate alone with the ogre. Now therefore will I ask of thee, Prince of the Glorious Danes, Defender of the Sildings, this one boon, that thou deny not to me. O Protector of warriors, fair lord of peoples, Since I have come from so far away, that only I may, And my proud company of men, this dauntless company, Make hero clean, I have learned. 2. That this fierce slayer, in his savagery to weapons, gives no heed. I, too, then, will disdain, so love me, Hickalack, my liege lord, to bear either sword or wide shield, yellow-bossed, to battle. Nay, with my gripe I shall seize upon the foe and engage in mortal contest with hate against hate. There, to the judgment of the lord, shall he resign himself, whom death, do- death doth take. Methinks he will, if he is permitted to have the mastery, in this hall of battle devour without fear the Gothic knights, the strong band of wrethmen, as he oft hath done. No need wilt thou have in burial to shroud my head, but he will hold me reddened with gore if death takes me. A bloody corpse will bear, will think to taste it. And departing alone, will eat unpitying, staining the halls of the hollows of the moors. No need wilt thou have any longer to care for my body's sustenance. Send me back to Higelac, should battle take me, the mail shirt most excellent that defends my breast, fairest of raiment. Heretho bequeathed it, the work of Wayland. Fate goeth ever as she must. Hrothgar made answer. Protector of the Sildings, my friend Beowulf. For my deserts and for the grace that once I showed thou thou hast now come to us. Thy father with the sword ended one of the greatest feuds, Hetheloth. With his own hands he slew among the Wilfings. Then the kindred of the Wetteras could no longer keep him from the dread of war. Thence he sought the south Danish folk over the surges of the sea, even the glorious sildings, when first I ruled the people of the Danes, and in a youth governed a spacious realm. Treasury and stronghold of mighty men. Heorogar was then dead, mine elder brother. No longer lived the son of Hefaldine. Better was he than I. Thereafter that feud I settled with payment. Sending to the Wilfings, over the backs of the sea ancient, Treasures. Oaths he swore to me. Grievous to my heart is it to recount to any among men what humiliations and harrow, what dreadful deeds of malice Grendel hath wrought for me in the hatred of his heart. Diminished is the company of my hall, the ranks of my warriors. Fate hath swept them into the dire clutch of Grendel. God alone may easily hinder from his deeds that savage foe. Full often have champions of war flushed with drink over the goblets of ale made vaunt that in the drinking hall they would meet the warlike might of Grendel with the terror of their blades. Thereafter was this mead hall, my royal house, on the morrow tide red with dripping blood when day shone forth, all the bench boards drenched with blood in the hall with a dew of swords. The fewer loyal hearts and bold men tried in war had I, for death had taken them. Sit now at the feast, and when the time comes, turn thy thought to victory for the Hrethman, as thy heart may urge thee. Then for the young Geatish knights, together in company a bench was made free in the drinking hall. There to their seats went those stout of heart resplendent in their strength. An esquire his office heeded, he that bore in hand the jeweled ale goblet and poured gleaming out the sweet drink. Ever and Anon the minstrel sang clear in Harrow. There was mirth of mighty men, no little assembly of the tried valor of Danes and Weteras. Unferth spake, son of Eglaf, who sat at the feet of the lord of the sildings, a spell to bring forth strife, he loosed. The quest of Beowulf, come thus boldly over the sea, gave to him great displeasure. For it was not to his liking that any other man in this world below should ever accomplish more honor under heaven than he himself. Art thou that Beowulf who strove with Breca in the swimming, in swimming upon the wide sea? That time when ye two in pride made trial of the waters, and for a rash vaunt hazarded your lives upon the deep. No man, friend nor foe, could dissuade you two from that venture, fraught with woe. When with limbs ye rode the sea, there ye embraced with your arms the streaming tide— "'Measuring out the streets of the sea "'with swift play of hands, gliding over the ocean, "'the abyss was in tumult "'with the waves and the surges of the winter. Seven nights ye two labored in the water's realm. "'He overmatched thee in swimming. "'He had greater strength. "'Then on the morrow tide the billows bore him up and away "'to the Hetherimus land. "'Whence he, him and Heorow, if they heart and soul were thus fell in war, as thou thy contest. Oop Tragic. There we go. Beloved of his people, sought his own dear soil. The land of the Brandings and his fair stronghold, where a folk he ruled, his strong town, and his rings... All his vaunt truly did he, the son of Benston, accomplish against thee. Wherefore I expect for thee a yet worse encounter. Thou, though, mayest in every place have proved valiant in the rush of battle and grim war, if thou darest all night long, hour nigh at hand to wait for Grendel. Beowulf spake, the son of Etch, though. Lo, my friend, unfurth. Flushed with drink thou hast spent much speech, telling of Brecca and his feet. Truth I account it, that greater prowess in the sea had I, more labor in the waves than any other man, we two agreed, being boys, and made our vaunt. Being yet both in the youth of life, that we would hazard our lives out upon the ocean, and that we accomplished even so, naked we held our swords hard in our hands when we two rode the sea we thought thus to defend us against monstrous fish never at all could he swim away from me afar upon the streaming waves more swift than i upon the deep from him i would not go then we two were together in the sea five nights space until the tide drove us asunder And the boiling waters, the coldest of storms, Glooming night, a wind from the north Came with cruel onslaught against us. Rough were the waves, the hearts of the fishes of the sea Were stirred, and there the corslet of my flesh linked stoutly wrought by hand. Gave me aid against my foes, My woven raiment of battle lapped my breast Adorned with gold. To the abyss drew me a destroying foe accursed, Fast the grim thing held me in its gripe. None the less, it was granted to me to find that fell slayer with point of warlike sword. The battle's onset destroyed that strong beast of the sea through this my hand. Thus many a time deadly assailants menaced me grievously. With my beloved sword, I ministered to them as it was met. In no wise had they joy in that banqueting, foul doers of ill deeds, that they should devour me sitting round and feast nigh to the bottoms of the sea, nay, upon the morrow they lay upon the shore, in the flotsam of the waves, wounded with sword thrusts, by blades done to death, so that never thereafter might they about the steep straits molest the passage of seafaring men. Light came from the east, God's beacon light. The waves were lulled so that I could describe the headlands out to sea in windy cliffs. Fate oft saveth a man not doomed to die when his valor fails not. Howbeit was my lot with sore to slay nine sea demons. Never have I heard beneath the vault of heaven of more bitter fighting by night, nor of a man more unhappy in the torrents of the sea and none the less from the grappling of accursed creatures my life I saved, weary of my venture. Then the sea, the tide upon the flood, with boiling waters swept me away to the land of the Finns. Never have I heard men tell of thee any such cruel deeds of war, and dreadful work of swords." Breca never yet in the play of battle, nay, neither of you twain, hath accomplished so daring a deed with blood-stained blades. Yet little do I glory in it. Not, the, not though thou wert the slayer of thine own brethren, thy nearest kin, for that thou shalt in hell suffer damnation, though thy wit be good. I tell thee for a truth, son of Eglaf. That never would Grendel have achieved so many a deed of horror, fierce slayer, and dire in thy lord's despite, humbling him in hero. If thy heart and soul were thus fell in war, as thou thyself accountest, nay, he hath found that he needs not greatly dread avenging wrath, nor dire pursuit of swords, from your people of the conquering of Sildings. Force toll the levies, none he spares of the folk of the Danes, but followeth his lust, slays, and ravages, for no vengeance, vengeance looking from the spear Danes. But I shall now, ere in long battle, oppose him the might and valor of the Geats. He will return, who may triumphant to the mead, when the... <sighs> When the light of the morning on the following day, the sun in sky robes, shines from the south over the children of the men. Then in joyful hour was the giver of rich gifts, grey-haired, bold in battle, prince of the glorious Danes, he believed that succor was at hand. Shepherd of his people had he discerned in Beowulf's words the moveless purpose of his mind. There was laughter of mighty men, the din of singing sweet were the words. Well thou went forth, Hrothgar's queen, mindful of courtesy. With gold adorned she greeted the men in the hall. And then the cup she offered, noble lady, first to the guardian of the East Danes' realm, and wished him joy at the ale quaffing in his liege's love. He, king victorious in delight, partook of feast and flowing bowl, Then the lady of the helming's went to and fro to every part of that host, to tried men and young proffering the jeweled vessels, until in due time it chanced that she, ring-laden queen of courteous heart, to Beowulf bore the cup of mead, and hailed the Geatish knight, and gave thanks to God in words of wisdom that her desire was granted to her, that she might trust in any man for comfort in their minute miseries. The cup he then received, Grim Warrior at Welthouse Head hand, and thereupon, his heart being kindled with the desire of battle, fair words he said.